0: Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata.
1: And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network, it's neworleans.com.
0: Each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margot and I invite a member of New Orleans' restaurant and food community to join us, and we invite them to bring along their own guest, a plus One. We never know who the Plus One's going to be, sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. Tonight, our special guest, we're very excited, Margot, on Midnight Menu Plus One is Tim Harlan, Dr. Gourmet, we'll be speaking to him in just a moment.
1: And if you're hungry for more Midnight Menu Plus One, then we can dish out here we have all kinds of extra stuff like recipes guest gossip sneak peeks into who's coming up next week and much more on our website itsneworleans.com on itsneworleans.com you can check out our blog sign up for our newsletter and you can follow us on instagram twitter and facebook or you can just google midnight menu plus one and we come right up tonight's show is brought to us by our friends at magic box toys
0: and also petite pet care if you need someone to look after your pets while you're at work or school if your pet would rather stay home than go to a kennel or a doggy daycare petite pet care have has you covered loving care when you're not there petite pet care dot com
1: magic box toys have a bunch of very cool and hip stuff as well as the classics like legos and melissa and doug you can find them online at magicboxneworleans.com new orleans dot com or in real life on magazine street near jefferson avenue when you go to Magic Box Toys, you can experience the magic by telling them Ray and Margot sent you from Midnight Menu Plus One, and get ten percent off everything in the store.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to talking with Tim Harlan, Doctor Gourmet. But before we do that, let's catch up on this week's culinary adventures. Um, I, I've had about a thousand, but my my uh, my most interesting one happened just a few hours ago. I uh, I dined with John Besh.
1: Nice. Well,
0: I mean. If, if by it was dying a personal him, invite? Well, in you know, more like stalking, you know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to uh, the new Pizza Domenica, which is, you know, everybody's going berserk over. And I tried to go the other night, and there was a line out the door, and I learned from a friend who was part of the line that it took him two hours to get in, which is, you know, a testament to how popular the place is. people have been dying for it to be there. But I went by today, and it was a weekday, and I went really early at 11 when they opened, and we were the only ones in there. And so we went in. And I saw John Besh over at the table, so I sat at the table next to him, even though the room was empty. So and, um,
1: with he, him, in his presence. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm seeing, close. Th- I'm understanding that. But
0: here's what happened. Alon Shia, you know, who was an early supporter of our show, you know, the executive chef there. it was chef of the year last year in New Orleans Magazine. I think he's been a Beard uh, nominee. Mm-hmm. He, um, he was, what, our fourth or fifth guest in the show when we first got started and he was real supportive of us. He recognized me right away and came over and asked how the show was going and all that kind of stuff and it was real nice. I took a picture with him for the show. We'll post that on Did the website. Did they cut off the your website. pompadour, you think? No, because Grant Morris didn't take the picture, okay. so my pompadour remained, I believe. Okay. But um but uh, and then and then Mr. Bash was very pl- and i had met him before for my movie or whatever, but he um he uh he pretended to remember me and he was very nice <laughs> and, and real pleasant. And by the way, the food was phenomenal. Did you
1: sit at the table and eat with them? And no, uh-huh. no. I was like two tables over because they were having a business <laughs> meeting and stuff. Okay.
0: But I took my crazy like stalker pictures like I do. You know those ones I have okay. of all the celebrities in Whole Foods. So I took a lot of pictures. Elon Shia opposed with me. Uh, John Best smiled and, and, and watched. And then I took creepy pictures of him from, from a distance after that. But um, maybe we can post those too if, if, uh, if, we're allow- if our legal department will allow us. Um, anyway, that was a lot of fun, but uh, I'm very interested now in talking to our guest, uh, unless you have any other incredible culinary adventures this no, week,
1: too. No, I, I would uh, prefer to. I can't top that, and I'm too excited. I would like too, to get to Dr. Too. Harlan.
0: Well, Dr. Timothy Harlan, a lot of our, our listeners will be familiar with him. He's executive director for the Goldring Center for Culinary Medicine. As a TV celebrity, uh, Timothy Harlan has been known as the on-air expert for the Food Network show, Cooking Thin and uh also the host of diy cooking show ask diy that stands for do it yourself you know dr gourmet is an emmy award winning he's our first emmy award winner on the show i think we've had all we've had beard awards we've had other awards we've never had an emmy award winner emmy award-winning broadcaster who has been featured regularly on cnn the new york times wall street journal journal as well as other top media outlets so um with that, I'm sure there's a, a much longer resume than that, but I'd like to get speaking to him. So, uh, welcome. It's, Glad you're here.
2: Thanks. It's not that interesting a resume, actually. Uh, but <laughs> thanks. And uh, uh, what's a Pompadoury thing? Oh, a Pompadoury. Oh, pom- oh, I see. I, yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't he, sure what you mean by Pompadoury. He,
1: oh, did I, yeah. I have a little southern drawl yeah, on that's it? <laughs> he, uh, so. he um He. Looks I like, like a, this year round, it, and it's, it's a beautiful.
2: It's quite it's styling. I, I have to say, it's a <laughs> shame that you're, you know, you some people they say, you know, have a face built for radio. Um, uh, but you yours is not. To my yours, is, <laughs> yours is not. You should be on television. Yeah. Well, welcome. Glad it's you're here. It's great to be here.
1: So, um can you please tell our guests what the. Tulane Culinary Medicine Institute is, and how can, you are affili- affiliated with that.
2: Um, the Goldring Center for Culinary Medicine is a uh, is the world's first uh, fully integrated uh, teaching kitchen at a medical school. So, um, the School of Medicine, um, my former dean Ben Sachs, a really uh, brilliant fellow uh... came to a group of us about four years ago and said he wanted to build a teaching kitchen to teach medical students how to cook um, which is a neat idea but hard to you know figure out what that really means what what are you going to do with that Uh, information and and what is the medical student going to do with it, and and how do you build the curriculum, and who's going to pay for that because it's not an inexpensive undertaking, and what do the outcomes look like? I'm an evidence-based physician, so I really care about what, you know, if you teach somebody to do X, uh, does it really have some sort of effect on the patient's health? and you know we batted the idea around for six months or so maybe even a little longer it was really only after in brainstorming sessions we came up with the idea that we would actually put this kitchen out in the community and not only would we teach medical students how to cook but we would also teach the community how to cook how to get back into the kitchen read a recipe parse a recipe build a weekly menu uh, build a shopping list go to the grocery store come home cook eat uh, healthy and and we as physicians would take ownership of some of the health problems all, almost all of the health problems that we have in America today, which are uh related to diet so that's that's how it came to be well i mean
0: you 're uniquely qualified for that right you're you're not only an emory trained uh, physician you 're not like we have a lot of honorifics in this town. We call uh, Doctor John and uh, you know Professor Longhair. You're a real doctor. You 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 went to Emory and then you uh, and then you also uh, ran restaurants, right? Right. So,
2: so I was a chef uh, before I became a physician. Uh, I grew up in the restaurant business. I started washing dishes when I was 11. Um, my uh, back then in the in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, my my mother I think figured you know you back in the south. Um, then you could go to work as a kid if you had a a work permit. Your mom had to sign it, the school had to sign it. And I think my mother figured um, that she knew where I'd be on Friday and Saturday nights (laughs) if I went and washed dishes. And uh, by the time I was 18, I managed my first restaurant. I opened my first restaurant at 22. I was a chef owner for about three years. I closed that restaurant to go to college where I had never gone to college before, to get a hotel and restaurant management degree. Uh, and I took a wrong turn one day and ended up in medical there's school. There's not a ton of uh, <laughs>
0: hotel and restaurant. I mean, is Cornell has a famous one? There's not a ton of programs. Were, well, was, was, actually, was that at Emory?
2: There is actually a really great program uh, for specifically a hospitality program at Georgia State University. At actually. Georgia State University, um, There's okay. a lot huh. of great programs across the country at state universities. And, you know, it's interesting because at the time, in the late 70s and early 80s, The um, CIA had only been in business for about uh, 15 years. And Johnson and Wales, who we have a really great relationship with. Leah uh, Sarris
0: came from there. We've had her on the show. And and she works uh, with you.
2: She does. And um, they'd only actually had their culinary program for about five years at that point. So, you know, culinary schools were a new phenomenon in the late 70s and early 80s in the United States. In fact, I I remember interviewing once with a chef for a uh, I'm sorry, an executive director of a a country club for for a chef position. And we were talking about this. And this is like late 1970s. And he said, oh, I'd never hire a chef from a culinary school. So Uh. so we really have kind of. It's it's been a 180 over the course of the last 20 years with culinary schools in America having a lot of respect.
0: Well, I mean, it's sort of like a rock star, uh, you know, going to Juilliard or something. You know, it's sort of it seems almost antithetical to the artsiness of it sometimes. But I think at the time time it was.
2: I think at the time it was a lot of it had to do, I think, with the traditional um, apprentice system. You know, that most chefs, most European chefs who came to America you know, they grew up in a system uh, where, you know, as as you can today, you work for free for two years sweeping floors before they ever let you peel a carrot.
3: <laughs> wow.
1: So um, coming from the culinary world and managing and owning a restaurant, working your way up, um, can you share with us what that turn was to, to medicine? I mean, how did you make that Leap
2: from um, yeah that
1: world to uh, medicine.
2: So I owned a little French bistro um, and really, you know, g- cooked mostly um, continental, as they used to say, and and f- country French cuisine. And um, my wife at the time was uh, quite ill. She had uh, she was diagnosed with diabetes at eleven. And when we married, she was right at 27. Uh, I was 26, and she was facing her first kidney transplant. Actually, she was facing dialysis at the time. Most of the transplant drugs that we have today, like cyclosporin, um, didn't exist, and so kidney transplantation was not a um, was not an option in many mm-hmm. cases, unless it was a living-related donor. And uh, about so when we met I changed everything that I did as far as how I cooked um, and became very very interested in medicine as a result of her and then while I was in medical school um, to kind of bring it full circle I had a, a a couple of patrons from my restaurant who owned a publishing company in Atlanta, a small niche publishing company that does patient education materials. And they asked me to write my first book. Uh, I was a second year medical student. I probably published my first book in the fourth year of medical school. Wow. Sort of a food manual um, called It's Hartley Fair um, huh. How to Eat Healthy and for Patients with Cardiovascular Disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was back in the bad old days of nutrition, when uh-huh. we thought things like margarine were good for you. And, um, so has and that book now gone out of print? Actually, that book is not out of print. That book. Do you has wish been, that book was out of print? No, <laughs> no. Actually, I don't. That book has been revised seven times. Okay. Um, to, oh, okay, okay. That that book was actually published before there was such a thing as a nutrition facts box on a food label, you know, you turn the, you turn the package over and there's a little nutrition facts thing on the, the back. That book was published two years before the FDA passed the regulation that, um, all, uh, all packaged foods had to have nutrition facts labels. And one of the tricks to the book actually was how to read a food label because back then, If you wanted to know maybe how much sodium or salt or sugar, et cetera, the only way you could tell was by the list of ingredients and the list of ingredients is by weight. So when you read a list of ingredients, the the first ingredient, that's the one that is the most by weight, by mass. Oh. Um, and so that was a lot of uh, a lot of the purpose of the book was to teach people how to read food labels and how to oh. discriminate in the grocery store, et cetera. So, that, okay. so not only was it the bad old days of you know, nutrition research, it was, was 1987. 1987. That is yeah. amazing. That
1: now is now so already, progressive.
2: Now, but at that point, I'm not surprised, though, because I'm
0: sorry, you already you already invented the Internet, right? You I, <laughs> <that>? <laughs> I had not yet invented the Internet. No. <laughs> See, we um, had Al Gore on the show recently, and he was telling us that he, no, it says on your website, that you've had a website since... Does it not say
1: that? No, no. No, Since 1998. Okay, since
0: 1984 somewhere. uh, No, no, no.
1: no. So you...
0: Wikipedia,
2: that's what does it.
0: Wikipedia yeah. says See, 1984. Does it really say is, 1984? Yeah. I only read Wikipedia <laughs> it's these fantastic. days. That's all I have time for <laughs> these days. Yeah.
2: I really, I tell you, when when uh, you give medical students or students a uh, project today and they cite Wikipedia, it just makes my yeah. hair catch fire.
0: It should be banned in any accredited to, school.
1: I was trying to cut just you off me? because I just, no, it, actually it makes it's even me worse. crazy even to, 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 to look to to look to that. No, but no,
0: it's it's even a little bit worse than that, well, isn't it? Margo. Not only did I not, not only did, it was worse than I actually read Wikipedia, I didn't even read the Wikipedia. So, I listened to someone else
2: who read the Wikipedia. I'm, so I got Wikipedia sure.
0: secondhand. The only thing worse it's, than Wikipedia is Wikipedia secondhand.
2: That's true. But the nice thing about this is I think I know somebody who can edit Wikipedia and I'm going to have them go change the 1984 to 1964. So something good came so, out. So, of you know, if <laughs> nice. we change it yeah. well, if we change it to 64 then then it'll, I, I will have certainly <laughs> invented the internet. Not Nice. Which is kind of a nice thing to do also and put something to put on my CV. What's well, a lot for <laughs> Al Gore? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But we we really, digress.
1: No, no, no. That we can digress as much as you are comfortable with. As long as we don't offend you. We could be and here, here can, a long time. <laughs> well, we're hoping to get some juicy stuff, too, and not uh, have you run screaming from... Oh, no. Um, but I... So, getting back to you so you did that when you were in medical school medical yes, school, ma'am. and this may be a little off question, but when you were experiencing that and in medical school, did you or have you been influenced by any other culture's medicinal background no. or you you didn't i am uh,
2: i am and and you know um much to some people's chagrin, I think I am not uh... i'm a western physician i'm not uh... i'm not an alternative medicine physician i don't and most complementary medicine is, as it were whatever you want to call it you know is not very valid okay. i'm an evidence-based physician i believe in um, in randomized controlled trials uh... i believe in good quality observational epidemiologic data Uh, And, uh, you know, everything that I do at at drgourmet.com, everything that I write about, all of the work that we do and the curriculum that we build for the community, for the medical students, for the residents, for the practicing physician, all of that is evidence-based medicine. Um, And so, no, I I don't uh, believe in Chinese herbalism, for instance. Uh, and and and, it, and and I don't believe in it because there's no evidence for it, mm-hmm. uh, and there is actually evidence mostly to the contrary. Um, unfortunately, I, I think you, you know the challenge oftentimes in my business is that people for years and years in medicine, up until about you know 1985, 1990. You know, if they, you know, if it made sense they did it or if it felt good or, or a doctor felt like, oh, you know, this is a good idea and they did it and they got good results, then they just keep doing it without evidence. Uh, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. If you w- went into a hospital with a heart attack in the mid-1950s, it was really likely that someone would crack your chest open, peel off the pericardium, the lining around your heart, and throw it in the trash and stitch you back up. Ah.
1: That's the the solution That for was a,
2: that, yeah, they just that's what they did. They thought, "Oh, you know, there's inflammation of the pericardium. We're going to throw your pericardium in the trash and no evidence whatsoever." So we don't do that in medicine today. We huh. really strive, I think very hard, um, to be evidence-based, and it's not perfect. Science is an, uh, is is evolving as science right, right. is always going to do. But we, you know, uh, so I try uh, very hard to use the best evidence and You know, that evidence has evolved. I think there was a time where many of us believed from the best evidence possible that a low-fat diet was a good idea. We now know that was wrong, I mean, very wrong, and actually pro-inflammatory and actually bad for you. Um, So, uh, you know, it's, and, and that's a challenge in my business. It's a challenge in medicine because, you know, what you learned, you know, yesterday, if it's mm-hmm. subjected to thoughtful scrutiny, might not be true tomorrow.
1: And on um, your site, Dr. Gourmet, it is it is fascinating to me because it's so accessible, but it is very um, intense information. It's a lot of research, and it feels very... Um, s- serious and scholarly but it's accessible well
2: you know that may be the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me Wow! Right? Oh. i mean i'm not uh, that's you no you have a lot of mean people aren't you <laughs> i do have just a, keep yeah. hanging around margo she <laughs> no, loves, actually, she's a, I she's a s- great flatter i, I will say Margot, <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that is actually probably the nicest thing that anybody's ever said to me um i sue pritchett and nancy hull um who owned the publishing firm pritchett and hull my first publishers yeah. they taught me I mean I owe them tremendously uh, for what they taught me in how to uh, write for the lay public that that these are complex um, uh, issues uh, as far as nutrition as far as medicine is concerned so that's just really sweet of you to say that oh. to Well,
1: me. I but feel that way because honestly it's intimidating when you go to a doctor for for most people doctors
2: i'm pretty intimidating <laughs> do, you think, do you think i'm intimidating Leah?
1: a lot of
3: people think you're intimidating <laughs> many people wait a second we have <laughs> another voice on the mic
2: <laughs> but we're gonna have to introduce <laughs> it's probably true yeah all right the veil of secrecy is our
1: been
0: um yeah. plus one yep she just she... sat down i'm so excited i we so, know her already
1: yes but uh, tell her tell, Holland, tell her why you, you tell brought us, her uh who your guest is
2: um this is chef leah saris yay uh, yay um Chef Lee and I have known each other for about two and a half years now, and it's been one of the best and most joyous collaborations that I've ever had. Um, uh, we, when Ben Sachs and I were um, at Johnson Wales about two and a half years ago, you know, we had this concept and we had some funding to build a teaching kitchen to build the center for culinary medicine, and. When you sit down to write the job description, because I'm not going to run this, I have a day job, so I also practice medicine, and then I'm assistant dean for clinical services at, at the medical school. I help run our clinical inter- enterprise with a, a group of very, very talented and, and and fantastic people, and and so I needed somebody who could run the center, run the teaching kitchen, and we'd written a job description. Which is a tough job description when you think about it. You have to have somebody who's going to, you know, be able to relate to medical students, who's got to build curriculum, who knows something about uh, nutrition, who knows a lot about uh, the culinary side of it, et cetera. And the folks at Johnson Wales, who we had, i had asked repeatedly, you must know someone, you must <laughs> know someone, please. You know, you have this, this department of culinary nutrition, you have all these graduates. No, no, we really can't think of any way. And we're sitting in a meeting and this had been going on for months that I'd been asking them. We're sitting in this meeting and, um, uh, uh, Suzanne Vera, who's the chair, who was then the chairman of the Department of Culinary Nutrition, she's like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh!" <laughs> like you know, there's t- twenty people in this uh, in this room, and she's like, "I've got it! I've got it!" Everybody's looking at her like, "What?" We all get up and go traipsing down these long corridors around. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the teaching kitchens, the laboratories, as they call them at, at Johnson & Wales, are all fishbowl. They've all got glass walls. And, and we stop at this, uh, at this laboratory, and there's Leah, a uh, professor at Johnson & Wales, mm-hmm. teaching this class. And we're, like, knocking on the window. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of lecture.
3: <laughs> right in the middle of a lecture. Like, hey,
2: come here, come here. And so we essentially, I mean, for all intents and purposes, hired Leah on the spot. Uh, the, she went out to dinner with us that night. We took her to dinner with a, a number of the other faculty from Johnson & Wales. And um, it's, it, you know, it's just been amazing. She's perfect for the job. The medical students love her. The community it, it just it can't, can't get enough. Uh, it's just been a great collaboration for the last two years that we've been working together. So... I thought uh, I'd ask Leah. Now I wonder Thank is you. it
0: is now is it a factor? Um, I, I've met a lot of uh, university faculty here that uh, were eminently qualified, but the one thing they complain they love where they're teaching, but one thing they complain about is they just don't really you know New Orleans is a place you either love it or hate it, and it seems like sometimes there needs to be a little more work done on like uh, picking people that'll enjoy the weird culture here and the particulars <laughs> of the culture and. After having her on our show, I can say she's somebody who's really d- dived in the culture and really seems to enjoy it a lot, too. Um, is that ever a factor when you're hiring folks? Does that even come into the equation? Like like with my business, we, we, spend, we spend a lot of time actually thinking, is this somebody who will really get this place, will really like this place, will be happy here? You know, it's not just like hiring somebody for... I didn't really uh, much think. Town, I, I
2: don't think I really th- much thought about it. Leah wanted I did that to move. To the job description. You Le- got lucky. Yeah, with her it was. I did get lucky. <laughs> Leah wanted to move here anyway. Her best friend right. was living. Yeah, here she's been the on our ah. show as well. And so a- April, April's yeah, been yeah, on our yeah, show.
0: April the only one we've had on twice before Leah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Leah yeah. twice. Yeah. I know. Hey, I was thinking yeah, about that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You're very competitive with her, aren't you? Apparently. Do you want number, I got to go for three.
3: So
2: yeah, we um. Uh, it's just been a great relationship I, I guess the answer to that question for me is no um, I hire people um, I, I started managing when I was 18 I managed my first restaurant at 18 And I, I don't have very many talents in life But I have the talent to be able to hire very, very good people And I think that one of my management styles I, I ask a lot of them Do you think I ask a lot of you? I ask a lot of the people who work for me
3: you do, but then you stand back and let me. I do.
2: It. I, I, I <laughs> ask so you
1: people, do
3: not micromanage. No. You. Uh, I
2: and and you know, there's no. I, I think the my staff in the in the um, assistant dean's office would support that. I, I I let them do their job, and if and if there's a problem, you know, the, my friend Harish Sujan, that'd be a really. He's not a foodie though, but he's a great business uh, professor. Um, Harish talks about this idea that you're only as good as your people obviously you're only as good as being able to let your people do what they do and part of your job as a manager is to is to remove obstacles for the folks that work for you and so uh, that's that's how I came to. Oh. Well, we, uh, it's been great, and we um, we open. Yeah. Uh, we're under construction now. We'll be open in about a month. So but she's really been teaching for, and you and you you teach there as well. Is that how it works? I don't teach much. Um, okay. I'm there for a lot uh, at the end of class uh, for the table discussions with the med students. Um, uh-huh. We're uh, I'm there for most all of the continuing medical yeah. education programming. So when you, so when that we you say you now. open, that means you open your own facility we, there, we do we open uh we're under construction on a state-of-the-art 4,500 square foot full-on cooking school uh teaching kitchen we'll All be right. able to teach uh 16 to 20 people hands-on uh, cooking at a time mm-hmm. uh, we'll be able to um mm-hmm. To do cooking demonstrations or didactic sessions uh, with f- a full audiovisual for 35 to 50 people at a time. It's cool. a really neat place. It's over the refresh site um, where the new Whole Foods is and oh, where yeah. Liberty's Kitchen. We cool. all fought very hard for that location. I think the the folks at Whole Foods, the Liberty's Kitchen, the Broad Community Connections people, everybody we wanted all of us wanted to be there cool a, and you had to because of the pain we went through to get <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty uh, painful process so
0: <laughs> leah are you are you like a, are you uh, do you fail people in your class like you give out grades they have final exams how's that work
3: <laughs> It's pass-fail. It's pass-fail. Fail. It's pass-fail. Fail. How, many, how many people have you failed so far? I just publicly shame people when they don't do the work, and it generally <laughs> works. How really
1: could you not want to do I mean, if <laughs> Leah
2: Saris asked you to do something, how could you not want to do it? Oh, I know. That's well, let me beauty. ask I mean, you
1: all about this. So uh, you have – these are medical students. Now, how uh, resistant or excited have they been about being a pioneer in a pioneer program? Um, have you, has it been? Well, c- I'll say that uh, right now it's an elective. So everyone
3: is there on their own accord. Okay. And this elective is, a, is about three times the amount of hourly, you know, hour per hour work from other electives. So Really? Yeah. They they are willingly. So this is not but, the
0: medical school equivalent of basket weaving one oh one or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, but I think for them <laughs>
3: it's still a break because they're cooking, they're learning something fun, they're learning a life skill. Yeah. And something that they can really use to benefit their practice. And I think that in general, uh, you know, the world is ready for this. They're ready yeah, for absolutely. medical students. And I think they all appreciate that and they all appreciate appreciate being part of this program a few of them even said that this is why they chose Tulane
2: really oh. yeah no kidding
3: How yeah. that's that? very cool yeah, How yeah, that? and, and all right and so you're the only program
0: like this in the country still is that true
2: we're the only program in the country like this in that we're the only one with a uh, fully equipped kitchen there okay. are a lot of medical schools around the country that do some cooking classes like this they're but they're usually
0: taught by physicians though right not by they chefs they could or, be you yeah. know
2: um, so um, there's a program tom sherman who's a biochemist at georgetown he teaches a program uh, uh, there huh. um most of it's small footprint 16 students or 20 students that sort of thing um we actually are not in a way because we've also licensed our curriculum already, so there's Lots two medical changed. school, <laughs> yeah, there's two medical schools in Texas who are using our curriculum. they launched this really? past, yeah, isn't that cool? launched mm-hmm. this past January what do they call it? They, I don't know what they call it. They That's call it culinary push. medicine. Yeah, do they the call culinary it the, Do they call it like the Harlan Collection? Do they call No. It like no, the <laughs> Goldring <laughs> Collection? It is it actually collection. It has it labeled. It is labeled the Goldring Center for Culinary Medicine. Everything is, all, all of the materials. We serve up all of those materials to them, all of the online didactic lectures, all of the quizzes, all of the uh, recipes, all of the modules. And yes, it is quite branded. <laughs> we, we, nice. are, we We have branded this. And we... We know um, that go, uh, Rutgers will join in uh, this coming awesome. academic year. We think that at least one other medical school who we've mm-hmm. uh, just about to sign a um, sign an agreement with and maybe, I think probably by this time of next year, we'll have at least six or seven of us who are using our curriculum. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, um, so the m- students are excited and want to participate, and... Do you find that chefs, have you ever worked with uh, in a restaurant setting where you implemented or have you been asked in a commercial situation to help with a menu or, I mean, is there any drive to get into that?
3: Consulting almost. Well,
1: uh, just to be able to change, I mean, to change the medical, to have the medical students uh involved in the culinary arts to me it also benefits them in the way they deal with uh patients correct like if you're gonna if someone comes well, in with a heart okay that's the so, goal
2: so we take uh, the, cur- the curriculum we built for the medical students takes the first two years of information that the medical students learn it, it, what we call preclinical. It's all basic sciences in the first two years of medical school. They get biochemistry and physiology and metabolism, uh, vitamins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we really use food and cooking as the touchstone to connect the dots between that information that they learn and the dialogue that they're gonna have with their patient. And because right now you go to the doctor and for most people in America, the dialogue is lose weight. And, and that's it, You know that's yeah. the metric too. So the patient in, in many cases in America is set up for failure. They come back and they've lost you know, one pound or maybe they've gained two or gained seven or lost seven, whatever, it's never enough in the minds of the doc because the metric is so difficult. And so we want that metric to be how many, uh, how many servings of fruit and vegetables have you eaten a day for the last three months. You know, it's, it's, it's just changing that dialogue about what you're going to talk about with the patient. We care more about the quality of calories than the amount of calories and the quality of food, less processed. We want people to go back in the kitchen and cook for themselves. So that's kind of what we're working towards. I don't know that we feel... Uh, that we've got the curriculum perfect yet. That's part of the idea of collaborating with other medical schools is t- for us to, to do better.
1: Mm-hmm. And so it, it'll it evolve as you go along. And is there any, um, will there be anything in the future with studying food in the program, or is it more um, culinary? Well, we've already done based. some of
2: that. Leo. you want to talk about what the culinary, some of the research the culinary students have done?
3: We've done some really interesting culinary, and this, I think this ties back into... Perhaps what you were trying to ask was how we were influencing maybe local chefs and restaurant culture. Um, so we did some, we, we, we have interns from Johnson and Wales come and we try to give them a really hands on, valuable experience that they won't get anywhere else. And a large portion of what we're doing is research to, one, hopefully prove that what we're doing is actually uh, making a, a, a positive impact, or if it's not, how can we change it? Uh, but we are also doing some research around people's perception of food, people's perception of of healthfulness and, and flavor. So we did um, some interesting uh, blind taste tests on sodium perception, but people didn't know what they were tasting for. Um, and they they tried three different New Orleans dishes.
2: Huh. Restaurant dishes from, you know, out dishes. of cookbooks from From, from chefs. Re-
3: local chefs uh, that they're still serving some kind of rendition of that in the restaurants uh, so that we thought maybe it would have some sort of accuracy we, mm-hmm. we did a nutritional analysis of the food found no surprise they were exceptionally high in sodium <laughs> and uh we exceptionally
2: high like like one of the dishes had 3900 milligrams of sodium <laughs> which is a teaspoon almost a teaspoon and a half
3: Yeah, you're only supposed to get 2,300 in a day. (laughs) In a day. (laughs) Yeah, so this... Wait a
2: second, you're only supposed to get less than a teaspoon
0: of sodium a day? About a teaspoon a a a day. day. Really? Really. Yeah. Yeah. You sure about that? So maybe
3: <laughs> maybe we've,
0: maybe. Do <laughs> you want to track sure about that? about what, what you're with? supposed to get, not, not what is you that are one of those getting? fans <laughs> that we're going to be talking about 10 years ago? I used to tell everybody on the radio. I, I think, only think we.
2: Now we know buckets full are great for you. I, I think we've <laughs> like just that. changed <laughs> Ray's perception. You were asking about <laughs> perception change. I think we've just succeeded. Unfortunately, yeah. my long-term
0: <laughs> memory is so poor, I'll forget before we it's leave. It's maybe because <laughs> of the amount of sodium you eat.
2: Because of the amount of sodium.
3: That's what's doing it.
2: It's a small point. Oh. <laughs> so And hair
3: products. Tell, tell
2: Where them, are we again?
0: The so, results
3: <laughs> of this. <it>. So, so <laughs> what we found was we reduced the sodium by 15, 25, and 35% in these dishes. And we did a blind taste test. And we asked people their perception of saltiness, sweetness, sour, just so they wouldn't know what they were tasting for. We found that... The majority of people actually preferred the reduced sodium version wow. of the food.
2: Not not just the majority. 72% reduced now the... Now, how the big the, was the sample? That is exciting. It's you know, it's a small... No, no, no. no, I, meant no the the, I meant the size. testing sample. Oh, I mean, 105 100 100 yeah. in these the these all medical students? No, Were they're these? Some, they're... normal people? They yeah, yeah, are people from... People. Uh, we invited whoever <laughs> wanted to whoever come. Whoever wanted to come. Mostly faculty, staff, you know, from the med school. Um, you and me, I mean, real people. But I mean, it was statistically significant. The difference oh yes, was high. Quite, mm-hmm. quite. That's amazing. And the most fascinating mm-hmm. thing about it was that the the higher the sodium in the dish, yeah. the more you could reduce it and people would like it better. So the highest dish, which was about 3,900 milligrams a mm-hmm. day, the reductions were, and all we did was um, the students just reduced the sodium by reducing added salt. Huh. So they didn't do any flavor balancing or okay, anything okay. where you might, um, if you were say McCormick or you know, are right. you trying to create recreate the dish with very low sodium? You might ramp up the acid, et cetera and the reductions were 15%, 25% and 35% reduction in sodium but in now added they, salt.
0: Okay, did they like the lowest yes. amount? Of, they like
2: the lowest amount of the choices. The the, the the higher the amount of sodium in the, the dish they it. in the original dish, the more they liked the, the lower. Reduction. So the chefs reduction. need to learn that people actually
0: prefer it and it'll be healthier.
2: Well, and you know the interesting now, thing I mean th- now,
0: now we could probably factor for other people too, right? We could do it by class for example, like it may be that there's uh Socioeconomically, mm-hmm. maybe cer- certain, there could be differences there. Mm-hmm. Could do it for out of towners versus uh, natives. Mm-hmm. Could be. Maybe if you grow up in it, in uh, an environment uh, well, with could high salt. It yeah. would very be different, yeah. It would be different.
2: And, you know, I think there's clearly some differences in the literature, uh, in the nutrition literature, about. Uh, the socioeconomic piece, because if you eat more processed food, you definitely get more sodium. There's no doubt about that. And there is excellent research, excellent research that says your taste buds will learn that the more you reduce sodium, the more you will think that salty food tastes too salty. Yes, um,
3: sweetness s- is very similar. Sweetness
2: is yeah, very similar. We are, yeah.
0: So we all d- have that experience. You drop soda, yeah. and I, I, I cut out soda altogether five years ago. Now I hate it, and all, and and all of a the few sun, weeks exactly. I hated it. And, it's and disgusting all of a to me now,
2: <laughs> and and sweeter things are sweeter yeah, for yeah, you, yeah, right? Right, There's exactly. No and so our taste buds learn with all five of these, uh all five of your taste buds: the umami, the salty, sweet, sour, bitter, etc. Right. So, and, and you know, great food is not necessarily about just reducing salt. It's about that that perfect balance between those five. If you've got a dish where you can taste, you know, just a little bit of umami, you know, a nice umami hit and some saltiness and a little bit of sweetness and sour and a bit of bitter, that's that's a great dish.
3: And that's really what we, you know, that that goes along with our overall message. You don't need to rely on fat and salt to make a delicious, flavorful mm. meal. You shouldn't have to rely on fat and salt, which a lot of people do. And it's not that the enemy is is butter or fat yeah. and salt. And we. I would never not add salt or, you know, something salty to a dish, but it's about finding that balance to where it it enhances it but doesn't necessarily mask it or overcome it. It's just helping to bring the flavors out.
1: out And y'all have done similar things with the community. I mean, that's as important Mm -hmm. to the programming, right, to is to have the students work with yeah. well, that's the coolest real po- people. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would just get all the doctors trained in this way, and that means you go to the doctor and you feel guilty every two years that you go, and he says, cut back on the salt, and it makes no change. But if the but if the chefs are actually buying but into I'm too. I'm talking about the community, but also right. oh, the okay. people
1: living in our exactly. city.
2: Exactly. So uh, what we do is we've developed a, a curriculum where our medical students go out and teach the community how to cook and how to eat healthy. And the cool part about that is, Margo, is exactly what you're saying is, that the medical students then have out in the community as part of their service learning, they have the practical uh, contact with the patient, patient as it were, and they learn that dialogue in the first two years of medical school because what, what we're teaching them is not to talk about, oh, I want you to reduce sodium. Right. You know, that doesn't mean anything. It's to an keep, abstraction, It's an right. abstraction. Yeah. We want them, you know, we, we don't want them to say, oh, eat a low-fat diet or get more fiber. I want them to say, you know, you'd be a lot better off having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for lunch than you would be going to Subway. Right. Those are the practical things that, you know, that, I mean, and if you, if my, if one of our students tells their patient, have a PB&J on whole wheat bread every day for lunch instead of that Subway, you've just reduced their risk of dying, dying from all causes by 25%
0: that's wonderful it's huge mm-hmm. it's huge wait, so these that's, wait, let's let's stop there because um that's a fantastic point i love that i want that to be the the quote <laughs> over the yeah but we, and we're and we have to we have to uh we have a segment we need to do right here all right so that's yeah perfect.
1: coming up we're going to go off the menu we're going to ask you a couple of questions a question you wouldn't be asked at a culinary school or in a job interview at least not at a job you'd want um so i've had a lot of
2: very interesting jobs
1: but before we do (laughs) before we do that ray and i would like to get to um take a moment to thank some of our sponsors this evening and actually you
0: know what i got an idea let's have them read it
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) leah would you like to read
0: uh, our sponsor part there, and then we'll ask Dr. Dr. Gourmet to read the second paragraph that says Ray.
3: All right, so you're, you're starting I'm starting here. You're Margo. I'll be okay. Ray. Let's Actually, see. Can, can it be Margo? All right. She's, she's <laughs> a lot better looking. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
2: no, that's not true. That's
0: oh, not true. So Everybody thinks that, but you don't have to say it.
3: <laughs> All right. Let's see. We would like to thank the folks at Petite Petty Care they understand that when you're at work or school, some pets are fine going to a kennel or doggy daycare, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> if you need someone to give your pet loving when you're not there, petite is it Petty Pet Care? Pet, petite Pet Care. Petty Pet Care are insured, bonded, Red Cross pet CPR and first aid certified, but most importantly, they love animals. They do. You can find Petty Pet Care. <laughs> Petite, no, Petite Pet Care. Petit. Petite. <laughs> Petite. Petite. <laughs> Petite. Sorry. Sorry. Ray's throwing pet you under care. the bus here. You're Their doing website work. at Petite Pet Care. That's P-E-T-I-T-P-E-T-C-A-R-E. That's why I keep screwing it up. Dot com, or call them at 504-309-PET. I'm sorry uh, for messing your I name up. You that was, that I was pretty you good. you may
2: have just lost your response. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I would have practiced before. Was, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a new dog?
0: Not yet. Okay. Well, we, well, when you get
2: one, bring it to Petite Pet Care.
0: Petite Pet Petite Care, pet- I will. Okay.
2: Uh, thanks also to our friends at Magic Box Toys, a toy store with toys for everybody, from infants to grandparents. You can find them online at magicboxneworleans.com, where... There's details about in-store events like free Rainbow Loom classes, and you can find Magic Box Toys on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you go visit Magic Box Toys on Magazine Street uptown near Jefferson, tell them Ray and Margo sent you, and you get 10% off everything in the store. That offer is good right now through the end of May, so drop by into Magic Box Toys and experience the (laughs) magic for yourself.
1: He, won. Uh, <laughs> he wants my job. Yes, <laughs> I think y'all should take Damn over. It. You you have a beautiful yeah. voice. I see why uh, you're on air. You know he's charming. He, yeah, he's done this a lot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, Margot, I think we have another one that we anyway. need to,
0: they need to be mentioned. If
1: you're on Magazine Street, so why don't you go on over to... Um, Monkey Hill Bar. Yes. Oh, and Monkey they Hill have Bar. drink specials that I haven't started yet, but I... I think i'd do a little she's better had a if few had too beer. many she's had a few too many um, of those specials tonight happy hours every weekday from 3 to 8 p.m three dollar and 50 cent well drinks and one dollar off beer wine and signature cocktails
0: okay as promised we're going off the menu with our special guest dr tim harlan and his plus one leah soros Saris. 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 Saris, crap. Okay, say it for
3: <laughs> it, us. It's Saris. It's like It's like Harris like with an Sarah. S. Yeah. Okay, Harris.
0: You're Sorry about that. You're do a that. let will do Leosaurus. that again. Sorus. <laughs> <laughs> <I like> Sorus. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I always say yeah, okay. Okay, as promised, we're going off the menu with our special guest, Doctor Tim Harlan and his plus one, Leah Saris. Yes. We're going to ask (laughs) them each a question that normally would not be asked in culinary school. Go ahead, Margot. He's ready. Okay. No, I'm not.
1: (laughs) Which would you choose to not be able to exercise but consume a perfectly healthy diet or have the perfect exercise program but you must consume terrible junk food?
2: Um, That's a uh, fantastic question, Margot. That's a mean question. (laughs) Um, so leah you want to answer that for me what do you think
3: he'll tell you he loves food more than anyone that you know but actually
2: i'd probably choose the exercise Mm -hmm. i what yeah i'm a i know that sounds terrible but i'm a bicyclist i mean i love to bicycle um and i bicycle long distances like um and I just I just really enjoy bicycling and I uh, you you know it's the it's the okay. interesting thing about what we do and while our core competency is food and and eating healthy and it's what I do as a physician, um, you know exercise is incredibly important and it's a it's a, a really essential part of the of being healthy so. Which person's going to be healthier? Can you be healthier? I don't know that I have a really definitive answer for that. A person eats
0: Doritos and sits on the couch. I mean that no exercises really well, or somebody who
2: the reverse. Which which is going to? You know, it's probably about dead even is the thing when you look at the literature. Uh, You might be a little bit healthier with the exercise than the food, actually. Huh. Okay. Now for Leah,
0: your question. That you must answer. This is better than the la- first time you were on, though. You had book of questions oh last yeah, time. Oh,
1: yeah, changed you changed it. Yeah, yeah, we
0: changed it up just a little bit. All I, right. think, I, I think wanted to go back to yeah. it. It's it's very scary. What was
1: scary. the
2: question last time? Do you remember what you? I
3: don't was? remember the oh, question. Okay. Like, good, your you traumatized. Traumatized. like your short term, like your long. You were traumatized. <laughs> mine, <laughs> mine also sucks. Well, <laughs> uh,
0: what is what? Well, question tonight is what is one of your guilty diet splurges? What's a uh, oh that you're willing to admit that you'd be, you?
3: be embarrassed? I'll admit anything? That I have no shame to tell your <laughs> students that. No, I I will tell anyone anything uh, as well, far be as my good, food then. habits, and that's that. I am no saint, just as no one else is. All about balance and making the right choice most of the time um circus so
0: peanuts like what, what is it
3: i really have a thing for buffalo wings uh, really That's good not that oils. unhealthy those are yeah, you oh, no, i mean <laughs> 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 that uh, orange is all have, natural, you, have right? you looked at that <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Like talk about the, sodium yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh,
3: sodium and butter and lots oh. of saturated fat tons of calories they are not healthy uh at least there's good pizza. It's some food
1: it's not like you're saying like some processed thing that isn't even a real food product i mean like fruit cheese fruit whiz or, or no i mean another
3: yeah. thing that i really really love so much that i can't have it around is nutella I can't have have it in my pantry. So April, who you met, actually keeps a jar of Nutella at her house for me. So when, I, when I've behaved, I can have a spoonful of it. <laughs> yeah, spoonful like a, like a <laughs> peanut butter sucker, like yeah. a Nutella sucker. You know what yeah. I do? I, I dip
0: <laughs> celery in my Nutella. And that way it's and carrots. It's very nutritious that way. I, yeah. can't
3: <laughs> I can't have it because I'll just eat it. I'll just eat the whole thing. Oh, Nutella the is whole so thing. awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
2: yeah, the first ingredient is sugar. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's There's bad. a really interesting article But it's article so delicious. The, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Um, I could ask some more silly questions, but I would like to for um, Dr. Harlan to tell us, he brought us uh, these wonderful books, Just Tell Me What to Eat, The Delicious Six-Week Weight Loss Plan for the Real World. Can you tell us about um, your uh, book? A, a little
2: bit. You know, I don't think we really came here to talk about the okay. book. I just brought you that because I like to bring gifts. I, oh, I grew yeah. up in the South. Um, <laughs> The book's, um, this is my last book, uh, my most recent one, and it basically, what Dr. Gourmet does and what this book does is it translates Mediterranean diet principles in the Mediterranean diet literature uh, for your American kitchen. Uh, So, you know, practical foods, things that you want to eat, uh, like hamburgers and spaghetti and um, fettuccine alfredo. Uh, it's a six-week plan that if you, you know, follow the plan um, over the course of the six weeks, uh, y- y- you know, it teaches you pretty much everything. It re- helps rebuild your pantry. Uh, you know, what does a, a great-looking, healthy pantry look like? There's pretty much every technique in all of the recipes, how to braise, how to broil, how to saute, you know, how to boil, etc., cetera, uh, poach. So uh, it's just, it's my last book.
1: Well, thank you for bringing for us it's a great book. And um, on your website, you have a lot of information. Yes. First of all,
2: we have, we have literally thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of content. I think at last check we had about eighty five hundred pages of unique content. Have you read all that, or is that most of it? Uh-huh. Most of it. Yep.
0: Okay, so that is basically a hundred books.
2: It is. It is. (laughs) There's a lot of information there. There's a um, couple thousand recipes probably. We do a five day a week email newsletter um, that we send out to about 125,000 people. Um, And uh, the newsletters each day are a little topical. You know, Monday's a new recipe in a column and and uh, Tuesday is Ask Dr. Gourmet. On Wednesday, we review some aspect recent, uh, a recent article in the literature in the nutrition or medical literature that might be translated as you, you were talking about earlier. Um, we, on Fridays, we review convenience foods. You know, we were talking about having to eat junk food, as you mentioned a minute ago. You know, I'm pretty realistic. I think uh, that people are going to eat uh, convenience foods, things out of the freezer, case at the grocery store, et cetera. And, you know, so what What are the better things to eat? And, uh, you know, our motto on Fridays is we eat bad food so you don't have to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, y'all, um, you have people actually... Tasting foods and, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, we have a little every-
2: tasting panel. And um, my uh, amazing wife, Morgan, is the webmaster for Dr. Gourmet and, and uh-huh. runs the enterprise. We have um, a number of people who write for us. Um, we have um, some programmers who work on our software. We have a really innovative piece yeah. of software that creates me- two-week menu plans, complete with shopping lists. So, you know, it takes all of the um, guesswork out of it for you. If you go in, you put in your information. If you don't like something or maybe you don't, you know, you uh, have um, celiac disease or something like that, it will create menu plans for you um, based on particular health conditions, etc., now, there's a lot of uh, media
0: physicians. There's a lot of doctors that do bits and different news programs. I remember growing up, uh, doc- there's another Dr. Tim, right? Timothy, uh, what was his last name? Timothy on ABC forever for like 30 years. You know the guy yeah, i, I don't
2: watch. I don't watch that much okay, TV, okay. unfortunately. Guilty, I'm, I don't either. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I actually, that's not true. I, I, let me rephrase that. I don't watch much um, uh, broadcast television like ABC or CBS, all right, all right. except for Survivor.
1: There you go. Uh-huh. Wow, really?
2: Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, wait. I want to know why Survivor. I don't know. No, I started do-
2: watching it in 1999 or whenever it first came out, I and know. I don't. I just, I just. Uh, there's something. I mean, I, my undergraduate's in anthropology, and you know, there's just something about. Vicarious participation, because I would never do that. I mean, I would. Never, I mean,
1: <laughs> you're not an adventuresome person, or I'm not. You, a, yeah, I'm not a camper. Can huh? you
2: imagine me camping?
3: This is a guy who won't sit in economy in the airplane. So. Yeah, I don't. I'm a bit <laughs> of a travel, a of a travel <laughs> right.
2: snob, and no, yeah, I just I there's something about the whole, uh like you know, vicarious participation in these people who are living on a desert island for 39 days. It's just. One of those things, but I watch th- a lot of a lot of very. I mean, I watch House Hunters International. Do you like that show? You Actually, don't, I I, don't I mind love that show. That yeah. show. I love <laughs> that show. So. Do you travel? But I don't watch a uh, ABC. I
0: travel. Yeah. Um, well, pr- I yeah, like, I like a great deal. Cable as well. There's a lot of doctors. Do you have any that you just despise? Oh no, no. no, no, no. I don't us.
2: speak. I don't talk negative on radio about anything. You're Uh, just here to celebrate. I don't know. I would never touch. And you you know, it's interesting. No, I think it's interesting. Yes, there is a tremendous amount of quackery. Yeah. uh, Tremendous amount of quackery on the airwaves, both uh, radio as well as the (laughs) certainly a tremendous amount on the internet uh, and on broadcast television. And there's some very very popular uh, broadcast personalities who. Who embrace things that I would prefer them, and most of us physicians would prefer they not embrace. Huh. The hardest thing I think about having an MD behind my name is having scruples. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, it's really tough having scruples because I could get really, really rich, uh-huh. and a lot of people do with an MD. But yeah. Now, still. so, so is, is there a, a, a TV physician
0: personality that you like a lot? that you particularly love? Yeah, you know, it'd be hard side. again. I'm, I'm not. Who's the guy I, that has I the I sound,
2: program? It's like an hour. Like Doctor Oz. Doctor Oz. If yeah. I, right. If I sound like I'm being evasive, it's because I am. No. <laughs> yeah. Um It's I don't watch enough of it to um, really comment. Right. Thoughtfully. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That's understandable. I'm a well, preacher, and I haven't I haven't watched a televangelist in 20 years, probably. So you know, it could be the same thing. I guess yeah. it's analogous, right?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have just forgot my question.
0: I'm sorry. It was me. It was my fault. <laughs> Go ahead. It, um, it was the well, pompadour.
1: back to <laughs> <laughs> yes. it, the fumes the from <laughs> that, the uh, oh, pomade. Oh, now that's <laughs> <a laughs> the <pot. laughs> Yes. Uh, you know, I
2: love that word, pomade. I just, it's like a really jazzy word. <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't it's get me really started. It's swell, that pomade, especially in the-
0: Grant's going to if
2: I do
3: this. No, don't uh, uh, do it. Okay. One, change okay. subjects. sorry.
1: <laughs> but... We, ev- unfortunately we're coming to the end of our show but i want to get in a few more let's get in a few more questions um
2: the producer says yes
1: because (laughs) i i am fascinated by uh the fact that even though it is maybe it's not alternative but y'all are doing something that has been a long time coming to me it has nothing to do with but food is so important to health and everything, everyone's well-being, and the fact that you're a research-based physician, and you know y'all really are bringing new things to the um, students, and it's it's about time. And it and I'm glad it's not uh, based on something, but just great food, the the importance of food. And so I wanted to ask you. Doesn't a lot of the medications that we are given today, aren't they derived from food? Some are.
2: Some are, or plants, certainly, fungi, uh, um, uh, other... Um, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the most innovative things come from inside the bark of a tree Cyclosporin, which is, uh, you know, th- these, which is an anti-rejection drug for transplant patients uh, Digitalis, you know, comes from, digi- from Foxglove So yeah, there's, a, there's a, some foundation in, um, in the plant world and some foundation in the food world I think most of what, you know, the, the important thing for us and the important thing for our mission is that it's really about the food first. And so it's kind of neat that you, you get that. Um, we we really stress that this is about eating great. You know, it's just great food uh, that's great for you. Um, it, you know, it's it, it just happens to be great for you because it's great food and not necessarily um, you know things that you're not familiar with or things that you wouldn't like to eat so yeah there is a lot to be said for the lack of this kind of education for medical students for the community I think many people our our experiences people don't know how to make a shopping list and go to the grocery store and Mm -hmm. cook for themselves we had one of my favorites is we had this lady who some t- when I go to classes and I talk to communities especially, I ask this. I, I love to ask people, you know, what are you doing here? Why would you come to this? What is it about this that's fun for you? And this lady said um, she, she was going home to cook h- breakfast. She was doing, It was the breakfast class. She was going home that Saturday. This was a Thursday to cook breakfast for her husband for the first time ever. And wow. they've been married for 35 years. Wow. For the first time ever. Because he always makes breakfast.
0: No. (laughs) He made everything. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He
3: he made everything. She was too unsure of herself to cook in the kitchen. She just needed a little bit of kitchen confidence. And
1: one experience with y'all, these experiences with y'all transformed her life because that's the beginning of a new...
2: Well, to and, me, a, a and, and we see that piece with the food, which is important. But then what hap- what we want to happen is we want people to eat really great food and we want to teach them how to cook and eat great food. And then because they're doing that, they just get healthier because of mm-hmm. that. It's not like, oh, we want you to, you know, eat a certain way or, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's not about low fat or low carb or this, it's just about eating great food.
1: Well, y'all, unfortunately, we've come, we've run out of time. Thanks so much for joining us tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One. We know that y'all's time off is uh, precious with all the things you are both involved with. So we really wanted to thank you for joining us tonight on uh, Midnight Menu Plus One.
0: And our special guest again has been, on Midnight Menu Plus One, has been Dr. Timothy Harlan, and his plus one has been Leah Saris. You can find
3: out more about the uh, Goldring,
2: what do we call it again? The
0: Goldring, Goldring
3: Center for Cul- Culinary Medicine. At,
2: <laughs> at culinarymedicine.org.
0: Did you hear that? Culinarymedicine.org. Oh, you got the... Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Okay, other people are going to be jealous of that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. You can find out also about that by going to links on itsneworleans.com. Good night. Minute Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, Margot Moss, and me, Ray Kanata. Our technical producer is Chris Keough, and our director of everything else is Mary Ross.
1: Thanks to our sponsors who made tonight's show possible. Petite Pet Care for loving care when you're not there. PetitePetCare.com Magic Box Toys Experience the magic at Magic Box Toys on Magazine Street. Tell them you're a Midnight Menu Plus One listener, and they'll give you 10% off on your purchase.
0: Hey, if you'd like to be a sponsor of Midnight Menu Plus One, get in touch with us at our website, itsneworleans.com, or just email us at sales at itsneworleans.com.
1: And if you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for Midnight Menu Plus One, you can do that on our website, too. You can find photos from tonight's show, check out our blog and all sorts of other great stuff on itsneworleans.com, including our other shows: Out to Lunch, Happy Hour, Vietnola, True to the Game and Mindset.
0: And you can and you can connect with me and Margot anytime by following Midnight Menu Plus 1 on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.
1: The awesome audio quality of this show is brought to us by Chris Kehoe's Magic and PreSonus Audio. More information about all the wonderful sound recording equipment PreSonus makes is at presonus.com. P-R-E-S-O-N-U-S dot com.
0: Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For all of us here at Midnight Menu Plus One, thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here next week around New Orleans Podcast Dining Table. Till then, I'm Ray Kanata,
1: And I'm Margo Moss. Good night.
0: You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2 Cycle 17-inch Gas String Trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.